Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. But I'm so excited you're here. We've we've been in a series entitled Flip the Switch, and I just really believe that there are some areas of our life that um, maybe we've been walking in the dark in, and God wants to flip the switch. God wants to bring some light. God wants to bring some clarity uh, to, to some particular things that that we've been navigating through. How many of you guys know everything changes when the light's on? You can see a whole lot clearer, and things that you thought maybe weren't, and there's a whole different perspective shift when the, the switch uh, is flipped. And so I, I want to talk to you today a little bit around this idea, in honor of Mother's Day, around this idea, it's time. It's time. And once again, let me just say b- before we pray, uh, if you are here today and you're hurting, we think about you and we've been praying for you. So it, I, the first thing I woke up this morning and the thought was there are some people today that this is not a great day. And so I just want you to know that we are mindful of you. Uh, we've been praying with you and for you. And, uh, and, and we're also rejoicing. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. So we're mourning with those who mourn. We're rejoicing with those who rejoice. And we just want you to know that we love you so much, and, and we honor every lady uh, in this house this morning. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you as we dive into your word. Will you flip the switch, illuminate our hearts and our minds to your truth? God, we live in a land and a culture of distortion. Um, Lord, so many th- uh, things are taken out of context, and perverted and twisted. So help us, God, to... To really see you for who you are today, help us to really catch your heart as we open up your word. We pray that you would flip the switch in areas of our life, um, that we would go from darkness to light in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, listen, as I was praying for Mother's Day, you know, you always want to, I always ask the Lord, Lord, do you want me to, to preach a message around moms? Or like, what do you want me to do? Because really, I'm not moved by the day, I'm moved by what God wants me to speak. And, uh, and, and he brought me to a passage I want to show you. It's interesting. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says, I remember your genuine faith. Now, this is Paul speaking to uh, his young disciple coming up named Timothy. And he said, I see or I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois. How many guys are grateful for grandmothers? Your mother Eunice. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. I thought it was so interesting. I've never connected this passage to Mother's Day, but what this screams is legacy. This screams an impartation from generation to generation to generation. Right, starting with his grandmother, and it might have started with with her mother and and father, and and you just see this, this heritage from grandmother to mother, and now Timothy is carrying that mantle and imparting that faith into the next generation. And I thought, man, Mother's Day is really a a great picture of legacy. It's a great picture of legacy. It's a great reminder that you and I are to invest in this next generation. Because I, I think we understand the importance of the next generation coming up, right? Like, we would say that the next generation is important. But we live in a day where, man, our time is so stretched. 
that even though we say, yeah, the next generation is important and worth our time, I think we have a vague sense of that. And so I, I want us to see it today. And I brought something to put things in perspective. I bought some marbles. And I don't know if you knew this, but from the time a child is zero until the time they're 18, we have a certain measure of time. Now, we know that a lot of kids stay a lot longer than 18 these days, right? Because it's expensive and the whole night. I mean, there's so many different things. But at 18, the game changes. Like some go off to college. Some are able to um, make decisions to, to go into a certain career field that may take them out of state. They're able to make some decisions unlike any other time in their life. And so we, we kind of go from the commander in those infant years to a coach in the adolescent years. We transition to a counselor in the teenage years. And then by the time they're 18, we start to move into the season as a, as a consultant. Right? It's no, longer, it's no longer, hey, you need to do this. It's like, hey, can I help? Can I offer a suggestion? Some of you guys are like, no, that's not true. But you can feel a different resistance. And what's really interesting is, is I don't think a lot of times we think about the time we have from the time they're born to the time they're 18. And so I want to put it in perspective. It's actually we get 936 weeks with them. 936 weeks. That's how many marbles are in this little cylinder. 936 weeks. That's 936 Sundays. Right? I, I, just to make it a little bit more clear, this is how much time I have left with my oldest. And she's seven, have about 572 weeks left with, with, my, with my oldest. And then I started thinking like, man, what about, what about, what about 13? 13, all of a sudden, wow, that's a, that's a drastic change. Like we have about 260 weeks left with a, with a 13-year-old. Then I thought, what about 16? 16, about 104 weeks left with a 16-year-old. This is huge. And I think it puts it in perspective because we have this vague sense of time, but when we see it, all of a sudden it's like a week down, another week, another week. And time, it just flies, doesn't it? And, and I love what Reggie Joyner said. He said it this way. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. He says, when you see how little time you have left, you get more serious about the time you have now. It's true. Like, like something changes when you realize that time is short. And this isn't an old concept or, or a new concept. In fact, if we look uh, in Psalm chapter 90, look, it says, Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. And I love this passage. We looked at it last year. But it's this idea that, Lord, you need to teach us this because we're just not bent towards this. Because it's so easy just to get caught up in life that we forget how fast time is going. And how many of you guys know, in a lot of regards, time is influence. And so you started to, I started to muse on this and I thought there's something about putting a number on something that puts or creates a sense of urgency. All of a sudden, what used to matter starts to matter more. 
you start to ask yourself questions like, man, what do I want to instill? Like, this is all I got left for the 16-year-old. What do I want to do in 104 weeks? Like, what big rocks do I want to fill? Now, can I just encourage you? I'm going to say this probably a couple times. If you feel already like you've just wasted a lot of time, can I tell you, don't let the enemy uh, bombard you with guilt. Because God is able to redeem time. But it's not about what, what we've wasted. It's about what we have left that we got to invest in. So don't let the enemy do that to you. But, but you start to think about some of the big rocks. Like, let me, let me give you some for me. The mission for our church is no different than the mission for our kids. Like, like we want our kids to know God. We want our kids to have a vibrant, life-giving relationship with Jesus. We want them to know what it's like to, to be in relationship with God, to be loved by him and to love him. Like, that's a big rock. Like, we, we want our kids to live free. Like, I don't want my kids trapped in bondage. Like, I want, I want my kids free. I want to see this next generation free. Now, let me just tell you today, I'm not just speaking about kids. So if you don't have children, don't check out. I'm talking about the next generation. Which even if you don't have kids, you have a voice that, that they desperately need to hear. But I, I, want, I want to see them live free. I want, to give, I want to help instill some tools because my kids are going to get hurt. It's a cold world. And I want to give them the tools that they need to, to not just get through and survive, but to thrive even in the midst of Babylon. Right? We, we want to help them discover purpose to know that God has uniquely designed them, that they're not a mistake, that no matter how much they're comparing on Facebook and Instagram and all these other platforms and looking at everybody's highlight reel, that God has distinctly designed them in such a way nobody has a set of fingerprints like them, and there's purpose and intention behind that. And then I want them to understand that, man, it's not just about us. Like I want my kids to see, I, I don't want them to grow up in, in such a way where Hey, it's all about me. It can be a little bit about you, but it can't be all about you. Right, that, that we're called to, to make a difference. We're called um, to leave a legacy behind. But if we're going to leave a legacy behind, it requires time. A grandmother investing in her daughter, her daughter investing in her son, now her son investing in the church in regards to Timothy. And, and so, so when, you, when you think about this for a moment, it's kind of tough because you can't force a kid to do anything. Right? It's like as much as we want to instill these big rocks, you, you can't force them. I can't force them. One of the most sobering thoughts is when I look at my daughters as they go to sleep, I'm reminded often that I will never be their savior. That they're going to have to make their own decisions about Jesus. That I'm not going to be able to rescue them from everything. And even though we can't force our kids and even though we're not the Savior, what we can do is create environments to point them to that reality. To point them to these realities that God is not some cosmic killjoy that wants to rob all their fun. But, but rather, God is for them and wants their best. Right? I, I mean, think about this. You can't force a kid to know God or, or, or open up their Bible or, or, or want to, you know, uh, dive into the scriptures, but you can create an environment so that they can see that the Bible's not so irrelevant to their life as they thought. And you're able to connect dots in such a way that nobody else can. You we're able to, to create environments to see that, man, God isn't just some stale, you know, mythical ideology. 
But no, he is the living God whose word is very much alive and creating environments for them to see that God's word still works. That God's word is still just as relevant today as any day. Like, like who has a better opportunity than, than, than we do? Right? The world's not going to do that for them. Like, like, what about loving God? You may not be able to force a kid to love God. But, man, you could create such an environment where they see you loving God. And they see God loving you and the way that you love them, that there's just this, this beautiful picture, not a perfect picture, but a beautiful picture of the way God loves us and how we love him and how our lives just don't revolve around a religious routine, but in, in a love relationship with God. Like we have potential to create those environments. But here's the tough time is those environments take time. Those re environments re require intentionality. And I think we have this tension of time that you and I fight with, especially with the next generation. Because let's be honest, a lot of times you don't get to see fruit right away. Like you don't get to see results right away. You know, doing youth ministry for so long, we had to realize that this is a seed planting and watering ministry. Meaning some of the fruit we'll never see grow. Matter of fact, I got a message not too long ago of a girl that I, I don't remember her. I'm sure if I saw her face, I would. But she's like, man, Pastor Matt, you guys had such a big impact on me. My relationship with God is thriving. I'm like a lawyer in New York. And it's just, just crazy, right? Like you never know. But in that moment, I didn't see that. But, but something happens with time over time over time. Seed after seed, water after water, that, that God does something in that mystery. We can't make anything grow. We plant, we water, but God has to bring the increase. But it can be frustrating because we don't see instant results. And because we live in a world of instant results, it can feel like investing in the next generation is a waste of time. I just don't have the time for that. But what's the trip is I look at my kids now. Like my daughter the other day, uh, Olivia, she was, she was correcting her other two sisters. And she had a little edge on it. And she sounded just like me. I was like, where did you learn that? This is scary. You sound, do I sound that bad? Where in the world did that, where did she come up with that? Time over time. Overlayered with time and more time. They're watching. And, th and then I hear them pray and worship. I'm like, they sound just like their mom, right? <laughs> and I'm like, where did you learn to pray like that? Because it's not like we've taught them methodically. Here's just, but we just create environments where it's just what we do. It's just who we are. And time over time over time. Seed after seed, water after water, and you start to see some growth. But see, maybe you're here today and you don't have kids, so you're like, oh, man, this message just really isn't relevant. I know you're saying it is, but it's really not. Yes, it is, because we have a generation that is absent of mothers and fathers. Sometimes they're very present, but not spiritually. 
Listen, we have a next generation that desperately needs your voice, your story, your time. Like maybe you're here today and, and once again you feel like, man, I only get my kids on the weekends. That's okay. Like I said, God is able to redeem time. Steward the time that you have and watch God multiply it. Be intentional with the time you have. Maybe there's a rift between you and your kids right now. Or maybe between you and your parent and there's just this tension. Listen, if it's up to you, make it right. If it's up to you, go and make it right. God is able to redeem the time lost. But let's take advantage of the time that we have now. And then, then lastly, maybe you're here and you used to have a passion for the next generation. But now they exhaust you. Like you used to burn for the next generation, but now you're like, oh, man, get these kids out of here. Can I just tell you, I'm praying that God reignites something on the inside of you today. Because the reality is, as you're going to see in a moment, it's a spiritual battle. I think some of the exhaustion with kids isn't because we're physically tired. It's because it's a spiritual battle that the enemy is not wanting the next generation to capture the reality of who God is and what he's done. It's just the truth. And so, but if you feel like that, if you feel like, man, kids are just kind of kind of messy and they just, oh, I'm not really sure. Listen, you may say they're valuable. You know they're important. But if you just feel like, oh, I just don't really have the time and the space, you're not alone. Because the disciples felt the same way. Look, look what it says in Matthew. Matthew chapter 19, it says, Then the people brought the little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Now, I want you to know, this in the, origi in, the, uh, in, in the original Greek language, this word rebuke isn't necessarily like we know it as super harsh. Get out of here, kid. It actually, this word can be used in multiplicity of ways. It can be used in a positive light. In this context, though, it's, it's more so not this harsh rebuke, but, hey, hey, we just, uh, we don't have time for a mess. Like, we got, Jesus is doing his ministry thing, and we, we just don't need all these kids running around and messing stuff up. And we just, we're on, we got, we're on a schedule, we got time. So it's, it's not a harsh rebuke, it's just like, no, guys, like, no, no, just don't mess, this is, no, stop, don't touch that. Don't. It's, it's more of that feel. But you know what's interesting is Jesus just didn't come on the scene. Like, he's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Like, he always was and will always be. And he knows what it's like when a generation turns their back on the Lord. And so he said, no, 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 no. Let the little children come to me. Let them come. Look at your neighbor and say, let. Let the little children come to me. No, go back. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He's like, listen, you can actually learn from them. You know, there's a childlike faith. There's a, there's a, there's a, a humility to them. Like, no, no, you guys need to lean in. But one thing we're not going to do is keep them away. Let them come. It says that he put his hands on them and blessed them. And, and what that is in, in this particular context, in this culture, normally what that would mean is like a generational blessing. Like let this be so from generation to generation. God sees the importance of the next generation because he sees what happens when there's an absence of God in a generation. 
When there's, there's not a God consciousness where, you know, you have a Moses passing it to Joshua. Now, God is present, but we don't acknowledge him. Moses passed the baton to Joshua, but after Joshua, there wasn't a baton passed, went into the year or the season of the judges where everybody just did whatever they wanted. If it was right in their eyes, they did it. And the Lord knows what happens when a generation begins to depart from him. So we said, let them come. So that's my plea with you today, is that we cannot be a church that is content with letting the generation go. We need to let them come. We need to pursue them. We need to go after them. From 0 to 18, they will be a priority here at Fountain Church. And I've had a conviction of this recently more so than ever because there's this sense of, I just don't want you to make messes. We're going to be a messy church because we're going to reach the next generation. Are you with me? And there's complications and there's things as we're going to see. But if we're going to be that kind of a church, if we're going to be that kind of a church, a church that lets them come, then if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. What we need to do, first of all, is we need to let God interrupt our lives with the next generation. And so what we're going to do is we're going to actually have some moments with Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's got a lot of wisdom. She's got a lot of experience parenting. She raised the Savior of the world. I think that is, you know, that speaks for something. But I, I want to take some moments with Mary because there was a time where she was living her life. She was engaged to a man by the name of Joseph. Many of you guys know the story. Some of you guys may not know. And an angel appears to her and says, hey, girl, you're going to be pregnant with the Savior of the world. What? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to conceive a child, but it's not going to be with Joseph. What? And Mary, I'm sure, is like, uh, well, this is what she says. Look what she says. How can this be? Mary asked the angel, I'm a virgin. And so here Mary, she's like, this is complicated. Like, I hear what you're saying, but whoa, whoa, time out. Like, I'm, not, I'm not equipped for this. I've never, you know, I'm not prepared for this. Not to mention, I'm engaged. Like, what? I'm engaged. Like, Joseph, what is he going mean, to? I don't, I don't have time for this mess. I don't have time. I don't have time for this. And then raising the Savior, like, no pressure on that, right? And, and I, I wonder if there was a moment, I'm speculating, this isn't Scripture because Mary is so awesome. She probably never thought this. But I thought for a moment, it's like, I'm just really not that passionate about this. This giving birth to the Savior, I'm not. Now, in that day, it would have been a great honor. And a lot of young ladies were expecting. But then it happens. And it's like, whoa. What in the world? And look what the angel tells her. He said, how can this be? Well, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It's not going to come by natural means, Mary. 
what I'm about to do is something supernatural. Can I just plead with you today to understand that, man, reaching this next generation is complicated. It's complicated. They have access to things that we never had access to as kids. There's, there's a lot of complications. We have our own engagements and we have our work and we have, you know, our families, our own families. And we have all these engagements, all these things going on in our life. We don't have time for the next generation. I mean, certainly there's just no possible way. I mean, we, we have a lot going on. We just... We, we can't find the, the, the time to invest. Maybe in my own kids. I'm having a hard time with my own kids, let alone somebody else's kids. I mean, there's a lot going on. And I would propose to you that, like Mary, many of us would say, man, how is that even possible? And I would say the same thing that the angel did, the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to come upon us and birth vision. And birth something on the inside of us that will cause us to pay such careful attention to the time that we have that would move us to a place of action. Because it's not just going to happen with just, you know, some good ideas. Like, God has to break our hearts for the reality of this next generation. It's complicated. It's messy. There's a lot of work to be done. But we can't just say, it's a lost cause. Like, that's never been the church. And that will never be us by the grace of God. And if it is, somebody tell me and fire me. That cannot be our heart. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to invite the Lord to say, Lord, would you speak to me? Would you birth something inside of me that I could not get away from? It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So I know there's complications. I know we're busy. I know we have a lot going on. But maybe the Holy Spirit would interrupt our lives and say, I have a different plan for you. I mean, you could imagine Mary's like, how is this going to fit? This is going to be, like, we didn't even want to have kids till like six years. We wanted to travel a little bit. This messes up everything. It was a divine interruption. And the most incredible thing about Mary is this, is that she said yes. And that yes changed the world. That yes, we are sitting in these seats because of her yes. Now, obviously, it's a different context. But she still had to say yes to the Lord in a, in a very complicated situation, depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. Look what Mary said. She said this. She said, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it happen to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. You know what's so, so incredible is that... You know, we have a lot of people coming through growth track. But do you know the majority of people that come through our growth track and serve on teams, they just don't naturally gravitate towards kids. It's almost like, I got kids. Don't put me there. Please. I want to go to kids. Like, let me greet. I want to smile at people. It's just not kids. 
And then some are like, no, I'm super passionate about it. But, but it's just not a natural migration. And it's, it's an issue across the board at every church. doesn't matter if you're in Europe or if you're in the United States. There's just not this natural gravitation towards kids. But, but I, I, I think that I might have done a little bit of a disservice because I haven't given a full context. In Growth Track, we say things like this. We want you to serve where you're passionate. And, and that's with the idea that, hey, we want you to, to, to serve in, in the capacity that God has designed you to serve in. But I think I've done a disservice because I should, I, I'm moving forward, I'm going to put something on the front end, end of that, and that's this. But you have to make sure that your preferences aren't shaping your passion, but rather God's purposes. Are you tracking with me? Because Mary might not have been... Mary might not have been passionate about what was getting ready to happen, but she was passionate about the purpose of God. And the purpose of God became her passion to where she said, let it be. Let it be. And so I, I, I want to encourage you today. Ask the Lord just one question. Do you want to interrupt my life with the next generation? Starting at home. Starting at our house here, Lord, do I see the reality of what's happening and how much time is, is, is fading? And are we leaning in to what the Holy Spirit is saying? So we got to let God interrupt our lives with the next generation if we're going to be a church that lets the little children come to him. But number two, if you're taking notes, jot this down. We also need to expect a fight. Like Satan is not excited about the next generation being impacted with the truth of God and his word. Like that doesn't excite him. Right? Look, look what happens. It says, when the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. I think sometimes we have to remember that the, the enemy has no mercy on kids. And I, I'm about to share some things with you, and I just need you to lean in. I need you to trust me. Because a lot of times when we want to be inconvenienced, the enemy, we don't want to be inconvenienced. The enemy is infiltrating. Well, we don't want a mess. The enemy is like, I'll, I'll take it. Let me create some more. But this is his heart. Is He wants to kill like, there's no mercy even towards kids. He doesn't, he doesn't look at a kid and like, oh, so cute. No, no, no. He says, yeah, abortion was bad, but let's go full term. Let's, let's, let's up the ante a little bit. Now, you guys know me. If you've had an abortion, you're not condemned here. You are welcome here. And if, and if you've never got help and it's something that's bothered you, man, we are here and we'll walk with you. If that's something that you've moved on, listen, there is grace, there is forgiveness. So don't let the enemy condemn you with that. And the beautiful reality is, 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 is there's a future and a hope between you and that child in Christ. But I'm not going to shy away from tough stuff because this is the reality. I mean, we have kids are surfing on YouTube and there's a little character that pops up on the screen. I'm not even going to say its name. But it pops up on the screen and gives them instructions on how to commit suicide. On children's stuff, go into the drawer, 
take this out. If not, I'm going to come and haunt you. I mean, just crazy stuff. Like the enemy is up in the ante. I mean, and we could go down the list. We could stay here all day. But I want us to say specifically, I mean, we have Colorado kids that, I mean, shootings that are happening. All this crazy stuff, this murderous motivation. And it's not even just for the kids that are being wounded. It's for the kids that are, are thinking this stuff. They're valuable to God. And time is it's just running. And, I, and we, we got to pay attention to this. Got to pay attention to this. It's a fight. It's a battle. And so can I just tell you, it's, it's not a fight that's going to be one with programming. It's going to be one with discipleship. It's going to be a, a battle that's won with prayer. It's, it's, it's going to be a battle that's won when we get serious about the time that we have left, that God has given us to steward with this next generation. It, it's huge. It's so big. In fact, look at this. Look at this. Let me show you this picture. This is what I pulled up today. Atheism doubles among Generation Z. So this is the generation coming up right beneath the millennials. So 0 to 18. Like, and this is Barna Group. These, are, these guys do their research. They're, they're a reputable, reputable company that does all of these stats. This is a recent stat. It's just doubling. And you know what they're saying is, at the church, I'm just really not finding what I, what I need. I feel like I can find God elsewhere because there's a lot of programming, but there's not a lot of transformation. Discipleship. Prayer. Like as I'm studying this, dude, man, we're, we're just, we're changing some stuff around here. Because God has reckoned me with this. And we got to go after this with, 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 with no holes barred. Like we got to go after this with everything that we are. I, I love what it says. It says that, it says that Joseph in a dream heard from the Lord and was able to be one step ahead of the enemy. Guys, we have to be a church and a generation that is able to hear from God. Like, we got to hear from God. We got to position ourselves to hear from him. We got to position ourselves in his word. We got to position ourselves in prayer. We got to position ourselves in Christ-centered community. We got to position ourselves out there in the world reaching people. We got to position ourselves for God to speak. We got to be listening. Because that's what happened. Joseph was able to be one step ahead because the Lord has said, hey, the enemy's trying to come here and kill, move this way. And, and it doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're always going to, you know, be able to get away and not face hardship or suffering. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying there's a principle of, of hearing from God. And whatever that looks like in the season that we're in. But it's a fight. And it requires sacrifice. And I remember my mom, when I was 18, she was forced with the decision because her job was moving to St. Louis and all her family's here. Her life is here. And after much prayer, it didn't make sense, but she's, she just sensed, I, I got I to gotta go to St. Louis. And me, I was like, I'm not going to St. Louis. What's in St. Louis? I'm staying here. And my mom left by herself. It was the hardest thing she ever had to do. I mean, left her kids and everything because she felt like, man, this is what the Lord had spoken to her. And I watched it. We cried. I cried. It was like, Mom, you want to do this? She's like, I, I got to do this. I don't know why. Well, that next year I went out on vacation to visit my mom. And that's where God got a hold of my heart. And the game changed. 
And then a year later, she got an early retirement. She came home. But it, it, it required so much sacrifice. In the middle, she couldn't see, like, what this was all about. Then all of a sudden, when she saw my transformation, it was like, so glad I listened. But it was a sacrifice. She got up by herself, alone, moved to a different state where there's snow. <laughs> like, the struggle was real. If we're going to reach the next generation... If we're going to make the most of our time, we've got to expect a fight, ladies and gentlemen. It's real. You can't just fake this thing. We've got to be on our knees. We've got to be crying out. We've got to make discipleship a priority. And we, and we desperately need the Holy Spirit to burst something on the inside of us and help us see what the next step is. And the last one is this. We've got to train them up. If we're going to be a church that lets the little children come, we have to train them up. I, I love what it says afterwards with the life of Jesus in regard to his mother Mary. It says, and the child grew, speaking of Jesus, and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Isn't that the heart, I think, for all of us for the next generation? Like, we would love for this to be the story of our kids. And the reality is this, is we could do all the right things and it still go wrong. Like they still have the ability to decide and to choose. And I think there's this, this misunderstanding that we are kind of the Savior when we're not. And so listen, if you said, man, I've done everything and they've gone astray, listen, it, that's not because you're a bad parent. That's because they have a sinful nature. But, but can I just tell you, the seeds that have been planted, keep planting, keep watering. You know, for some of our students, we've watched God transform them. For others of them, I'm still going to court. I'm still going, showing up to court dates with them because they're still trying to figure it out. So you, you, can't, you can't put kids in a box where there's just like this cookie cutter formula. Are you tracking with me? But, but how do we do this? Let me, let me just work a little bit practically as, as we wrap up. How does this work on Monday? And, and I think we can find some, some hints from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 9. It says this, these words I am commanding you. Uh, these words I am commanding you today are to be upon your hearts. Now, right before this, the verse, the commandment was to love the Lord your God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so the scripture goes on to tell us that in light of that, the, these commands to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength should be upon your heart. Which I think is awesome. But then it goes in. To our kids, right? And you shall teach them diligently to your children and speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up and tie them as reminders on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. In other words, it's a lifestyle. But notice how it starts not with the kids. I need these commands to be upon your heart. Because you can teach what you know, but you will reproduce who you are. Like you could fool a fool, but you can't kid a kid. Let these things be upon your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let it start there. Because then from that place, there's an overflow. And it's not easy. Look what he says diligently. This isn't going to be with one conversation. 
This isn't about one conversation. Oh, man, I got one week. Let's sit down and have a quick convo. No, this is about a lifestyle. I, I mean, look at the, the verbiage. Sit, walk, lie down, get up, tie, write, bind. Like everything you do, point them to who he is and what he's done. And this can happen very practically. Like with my girls, they love bean and cheese burritos. And it's an, option, it's an opportunity to say, man, you know who created those beans? Like God just didn't think about them. He created them. And knowing that you love them so much, did you know how much God is for your delight? Like everything you delight in, God created for you to enjoy. Everything that's healthy, everything that's good. So, so every good and perfect gift comes from him. We want our kids to see the beauty and the grandeur of the creator of the universe, that he is for your joy and not against you. But we also, you know, a lot of times I think as parents, and even as, as we work with students and, and kids at church, we, we focus so much on changing their behavior. Like, come on, you got you to behave right. You got to be, and we don't focus enough on their heart. And so a lot of times we end up creating Pharisees that don't like God. They're religiously exhausted or they're pretty good at obeying the rules so they feel super awesome about themselves in a prideful and an arrogant way. When in reality we need to show them that, hey, listen, our hearts are broke as a result of sin. But in the midst of that brokenness, the love of God overrides forgiveness is available. Grace is available. And so we point out the reason why you're having issues in behavior, it's not because you just need to fix your behavior because something's going on in your heart. And point them to who he is and what he's done that they might see the love of God and be moved to repentance. Not just a temporary shift in their behavior. If the heart is transformed, the behavior follows. And so, so, so what am I saying? I'm saying we got to teach our kids theology. You know, my kids ask some tough questions. At nighttime, as I'm sitting there, they may say, hey, how can, how can Jesus be in my heart and rule the world at the same time? Who created God? Like, hey, I don't, I don't really hear him talk to me like you talk to me. And in those moments, we could shy away and just be like, oh, well, you know, it's complicated. Or we can say, hey, let me tell you about our God who is omnipotent. Who is omnipresent. Who is omniscient. Who, who is all-powerful, all-knowing. Let me just tell you, are they going to catch it in that moment? Of course not. But over time, after time, on top of time, on top of time. It's like, hey, I got an answer for that question, actually. You know, this next generation, this Gen Z, one of the reasons why they're departing is they want to know why. Why do I believe this? And so if it's not started in our hearts, how are we going to transmit that to them? So if we're going to impart good theology to our kids, we got to make sure we're students and study. And theology just simply means the study of God. We just want a good biblical theology. To constantly point them to who he is and what he's done. The grandeur of God. The forgiveness of God in spite of who we are. This is our God. And so... I can do a whole series on this topic, but, but, but let, me, let me close with this. I, I'm asking, if you're taking notes or taking a picture, let's let the little children come. Let God interrupt us with the next generation. Expect a fight. Just know it's going to be a sacrifice. It's going to cost us something. And we've got to train them up.
And that starts at home. It starts with us. So if you're like, oh my goodness, like this just feels so overwhelming. I don't even know, like where do I start? It starts with you. It starts with me. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and wreck us in such a great way that we would draw closer to God and closer to this next generation, that we would all together know God, live free, discover purpose, 